Good to see you all and online. Welcome here. I was on a plane this summer and flying with my family for a little vacation time together. And we were excited to go be doing this. And it was, um, you know, when you're on the plane sometimes, you're traveling, you're, you kind of go in and out of sleep. And, and you sleep, but you don't really sleep. It's just like a bad nightmare, you know, like you're, you know, you're sleeping and then you wake up. You're like, no, that, that wasn't just a bad dream. It is true. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in this like claustrophobic, you know, place. I'm trapped and people are, you know, I can smell BO and someone's coughing without covering up their mouth. And I, it's just a bad nightmare, you know. So I wake up and this lady's looking at me in the aisle. And she's like, oh, sir, would you like a drink? Yeah, I would like, so she, Diet Coke. She hands me the Diet Coke and I crack it. And then I look and I'm like, this is really weird because my, my kids aren't drinking anything. My wife's not drinking anything. I'm like, and Lisa looks at me and she's like, Mike, you got to pay for that. She hands me the debit. Eight bucks can of Diet Coke, you know. And, and then I'm drinking this kind of lukish, coldish Coke and, and I'm just feeling really stupid, you know. So I, I've satiated my thirst, but I'm not happy in that moment. Because yes, while I got a Diet Coke, I, I got ripped off, and, and, and then all my family who are obedient children aren't drinking the pop because they know we'll get pop when we land and we can buy a whole case for that price, you know, and we did, but there I was. And isn't that life sometimes, right? You, you satiate the thirst or the hunger, and then you just wonder, was it really worth it? Was it worth it? Was, was going after that objective or that goal or, or that feeling, was it really worth it? And that's where life lets us down. But on the highway to happiness, God invites us, Jesus invites us to experience happiness at its highest level. And, and that's without disappointment, without shame, without regret. Happiness, where you take that pop and it's cold and, and you're just happy to enjoy it with your family as they're all enjoying their beverages, which, you know, generous airlines provide, but not the one we were on, you know, so, you know, that's, that's life, right? And, and so, so maybe you've had that feeling where you're like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I pursued a, a hunger. I pursued a thirst. I pursued an appetite. And in the end, when I got what I thought I wanted, I only ended up disappointed. So Jesus gathers his disciples on the mountain and he says, here's the highway to happiness. Here's the pathway to blessing, which is the Bible term for happiness and blissful happiness. He's like, I want you to experience life at its highest level, Jesus says. And here's the pathway, and there is hunger pains on the highway to happiness. Look what it says there in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. So you can imagine you're, you're sitting on, on the mountainside. Jesus is sitting down. You're talking. You know, it's more like a hillside. It's not really a mountain. It's kind of like a grassy hill where you, you know, graze cows or or grow some orchards or whatever. And there, there they are sitting there. And he saw the crowds. He went up to the mountain. He sat down and his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them. His disciple. He's like, hey, you guys, you want to be happy? Of course we do. Here's how you can be happy. He says in verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. You experience real happiness when you understand your own inadequacy your inability to, to spiritually move forward without a relationship with God. When, when you discover that place, when you're at the end of your rope, then yes, then the doorway to the kingdom opens up for you to experience happiness. This is the starting point. He says, blessed are those who mourn. This is the, the to, now you've, you've discovered your empty, emptiness and, and your need, and, and then you, you, you realize, yeah, you know what? I'm a sinner. 
I failed to achieve God's standards and, and I see sin in the world and, and now I, I ask for God for forgiveness. He forgives me and with his forgiveness comes comfort. And then now that I am comforted, I now become an agent of comfort in the world because I see how sin affects relationships, people, you know, the world in which we live and, and God invites us to come in and bring his comfort into this world. He said, blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. You're, you're poor in spirit, you've mourned your sin, and now you're in this place, and I, I, I preached on this last week, and you weren't here. The idea of meekness, as I thought about it this week, is this idea of teachability, moldability. I, I, I'm in a place now where, where I can sit and learn and grow, and I'm gentle, and, and, and in, in, in one way I inherit the earth. I become, you know, just in, in essence, no, no one can control me or, or has power over me. I, I'm just comfortable with where God has placed me and how he has made me. Now, that's a blessing of happiness. When you're no longer worried about what other people think or trying to prove something to someone else. And boy, if you get there, let me tell you, that's a place of extreme happiness. When you're not trying to please your parents or some peer group or some work of co-workers or, you know, whoever it is, you know, there's always someone looking over your shoulder, but the meek are like, yeah, look, look all you want. I'm, I'm, I'm fine where I am because I am right in the center of God's wealth, my life. They inherit the earth. And then he says, this week, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Which is interesting. So now you're, you know, poor in spirit, you've mourned, you're meek, and now you're in a place where you're ready to receive. Blessed are those who have this appetite and this desire for, for the things of God. And they, in turn, will receive this, this satisfaction that God promises to those who take this highway of, of happiness. So we're going to just rip this apart. We're going to dissect it. We're going to look at it and then we'll kind of pack it together at the end. But, but what does it mean, first of all, to, to hunger and thirst after righteousness? I mean, you, you maybe have felt hunger. Right? You're in the second service, so you're going to feel hunger at some point in the service, probably. And, and my dad used to say to us, you've never been hungry. And he was right. I never experienced hunger, the kind of hunger that the first century reader and listener would have, heard, would have experienced. Uh, my, my friend from Haiti, he, he talks about hunger. He talks about waking up and not sure in the house where they would, what they would eat that day. That was a normal reality for my friend Sam. So, so he knows what it means to be hungry. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you're traveling or when you're, you know, you know, busy, you maybe don't eat and then you experience some of those gnawing hunger pains. But, but this is even deeper than that. This is like, I am not sure where I'm going to get my food from. The first century laborer would often work, get paid that evening, go to the market, buy his food, feed his family, and then and repeat the next day. Work, get paid, buy food, feed your family. You don't work, guess what? Don't get paid, guess what? You don't go to the market, guess what? You don't eat. They knew what it meant to be hungry. Travel anywhere outside of the populated areas of Israel and you enter the desert and the wilderness, places where you experienced thirst. If you didn't know where the water was, you were in deep trouble. Uh, anyone who travels in the desert knows you've got to plan your route based on the water stops. If you're into hiking or all that stuff, you have to make sure you have water or water filtration because this is a key part of experiencing a good hike is making sure you're well hydrated. But he's, Jesus says, you know, you're happy when you have the hunger and the thirst for the right things. That hunger and thirst could be described as a great desire or an insatiable craving. 
a great desire. I think I have it up on the slide there. A great desire or an insatiable crave. You just want it. So it's more than just food or drink. It's anything in life that you hunger and crave after. And you could just make that list as long as you imagine, because all of us hunger and crave and, and thirst for things and long, and, and, and God says, you know, here is, is the, the deepest of, of, and most satisfying hunger and thirst when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Presents a person's ongoing attitude towards God. So I've got a picture here. Morgan Spurlock, I don't know if you watched the, the documentary 2004, Super Size Me. This guy, for 30 days, decided he was going to only eat McDonald's. And not like the diet McDonald's. He had the Super Size Meal for three meals a day. And then he documented what happened to his body. He had a little journal, and this is a video documentary of, of his journey. Uh, his body mass increased by 13% in 30 days. His cholesterol skyrocketed. He, um, he had... Fat. They did like a, a CT scan. They could see fat just accumulating around his liver. Uh, he had mood swings. He experienced a loss of libido. I mean, this was a horrible reality. And this is his document, a documentary journey over 30 days of doing that. What's interesting is kind of the post story of Morgan Spurlock's life. Because in 2017, he writes this blog and this kind of extended Twitter version of an online social media thing, and he talks about it, a little bit of a confessional in this story. Little did he know, as this guy was stuffing, you know, fries in his face and, you know, eating and then documenting this, you know, journey and becoming famous, he was struggling with other desires and craving. He would write in his blog, I have been unfaithful to every wife and girlfriend I've ever had. I talked about some of the, even the harassment that he'd done to some of the people that worked with him and stuff. Like, he, not a nice guy. He had these desires, these cravings. He says, or is it because I've consistently been drinking since the age of 13? I haven't been sober for more than a week in 30 years. Something our society doesn't shun or condemn, but which only served to fill the emotional hole inside of me and the daily depression I coped with. Depression we can't talk about because it's wrong. It makes you less of a person. And so, so here, here's his journey. He, he has this like, documented story, but behind the scenes, he's got these appetites and these cravings that, that never seem to be filled. And only, in fact, the more he fills them, the more pain he feels in his life. In October 2022, the Washington Post reported that Spurlock had suffered career death as a result of his misconduct. You can hunger and thirst for the wrong thing. And Jesus says the highway to happiness is finding the hunger and thirst for the right thing. See, that, that's what it says. Uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be set. And we, we wonder, you know, like, maybe that's our problem, is we're hungering and thirsting after the wrong thing. And Jesus says, happiness is found when you pursue and you experience and you digest those good things that God has for us. Righteousness, I have a definition here is the act of doing what God requires. There are two aspects of righteousness in the Bible that are, that are presented. One, one is this, you know, is this the reality of, of just doing the will of God. It's, it's the practical expression of our faith, us walking in step with God and, 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 and you know, experiencing life as he designed it to be the, for us, the best life ever. 
The other aspect of righteousness is found in the book of Romans where it says, when you believe in Jesus Christ, God declares you. It's a forensic righteousness. He declares you not guilty and righteous because of Jesus Christ. And it's a standing we have with God. But the righteousness in Matthew is not that type of righteousness. It's, just, it's the practical righteousness of living out your faith day by day and pursuing God and finding fulfillment and satisfaction in him alone. It could be you know, explained in Matthew's gospel with, with Jesus. In, in, in Matthew 3, uh, verse 13, it says, Jesus came from Galilee to John to be baptized in the Jordan River. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. I mean, good question, right? I mean, John knows who Jesus is. There's Jesus. He's like, hey, they're, 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 we got a problem here, Jesus, because you are, are, the, are the man, and I'm not. So, like, why, why are we doing this? And look what Jesus says to him, verse 15. Jesus replied to him, let it happen now, for it's right for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John yielded to him. Do you see that? All righteousness. We, I'm here to do God's will, the Father's will. And the Father's will is that I would begin my ministry by being baptized. As an example to everyone, that I'm, I'm commissioned, I'm appointed, and now I'm moving forward. And as people believe in me after this is all done, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to get baptized. They're going to show identification with me in, their, in death, burial, and resurrection. And so, so I'm starting this thing off, and, and then this, this thing is never going to stop. So, John, this has got to happen. Why? Because it's God's will. It's the righteous thing to do. The right thing. The next verse there yeah, on the screen Matthew 6, the same word righteousness is used. But above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What's he saying there? Well, recognize God's authority and recognize his will and his way and follow in it. And the context of Matthew 6 is you're worried about your clothes. You're worried about what you're going to eat. You're worried about where you're going to live. You're worried about your retirement. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your grandkids. You're worried about your future education. You're worried, you're worried, you're worried. He says, just seek my kingdom and my righteousness. And God will look after all those things. It doesn't mean you just don't save money, you don't get a summer job, you don't, you don't have a budget. But what it means is you can live your whole life in worrying about things that you don't have control over, or you could just trust God and, and do his will and then let him look after you. It's an invitation. I don't have it on the screen, but in Matthew 13, Jesus will, will tell these stories called parables. And oftentimes these parables have a contrast in them, right? So one of the parables is the parable of the net where all these fish come in. I was really thinking about fishing too. That's because, that's because of this parable. All these fish and in the, in the net are like good fish and bad fish, right? There's some sucker fish, some, you know, some, you know, carp or whatever. You're throwing out the bad fish and you're keeping the good fish. And the good fish are, are the righteous. And the righteous get to go on into the eternal kingdom. And then in Matthew 25, same kind of stories. There's all these animals, sheep and goats, and he brings them in, he separates the goats from the sheep. The goats are the ones that didn't do God's will, didn't respond to the opportunities he gave them, didn't follow his way, didn't feed the, 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 the starving and, and, and give water to those that were thirsty and clothe the naked. But these ones, the righteous, they did those things. And it says, yeah, the, the, the goats are, are, are sent out and the sheep, the righteous, enter into the eternal kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the result is they will be satisfied. Got a picture here. The well-fed cow. <laughs> now, when, I mean, that's an ugly kind of cow. But I mean, if, if you're like a meat man or a beef man, you'd be like, well, that is a very nice cut. You take that into the market, you're getting a lot of money. You know, there's a nice brisket in there. You know, you guys that are smokers. 
Not like, not, not smoking, but you know, like the, the meat smoker, you know, the, those kind of smokers. You, you, you look at this thing, oh yeah, that, that's a nice evening meal there, just waiting for me. Or there's some steaks, there's a nice loin there. Yeah, you know, this is the picture of a well-fed animal. An animal that's gone to the feedlot, that's getting fattened up, and then is ready to be slaughtered. It's like, you will be satisfied. Full, overstuffed almost. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. The same word is used in Matthew 14 when he talks about the feeding of the 5,000. You know, all these people, they're hungry, they're getting hangry. They're like, what are you going to do with, you know, Jesus? We got to do something with them. He's like, you feed them all. We can't feed them, okay? Have them sit down. And he blesses the, the meager little things they have. And suddenly everyone's eating, everyone's eating, everyone's eating, everyone's eating. Everyone's eating. They collect these baskets and it says, they all ate and were satisfied. Same word. Jesus has the ability to satisfy at the deepest levels of our soul and our being and our life. And in that satisfaction, we find happiness. Not a fleeting feeling that comes when you, you know, you eat that burger you've been craving or drink that drink you've been desiring after exercise or whatever the case may be. But it's, it's deeper than that. This true satisfaction of the soul. Christopher Parkinson experienced this, and I found this in, in a book on happiness, by Randy Alcorn. He talks about this guy named Christopher Parkening. He was a classical guitarist, considered by many to be one of the world's greatest. Uh, He achieved his musical dream by the age of 30. By then, he was also a world-class fly fishing champion. However, his success failed to bring him happiness. Weary of performances and recording sessions, Parkening bought a ranch and gave up on the guitar. But instead of finding happiness after getting away from it all, his life, life became increasingly empty. He wrote, If you arrive at a point in your life where you have everything that you've ever wanted and thought would make you happy and still doesn't, then you start questioning things. It's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I had that and I thought, well, what's left? While visiting some friends, he attended church and put his faith in Christ. Parkinson developed a hunger for scripture and was struck by 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, he explained. I realized there were only two things I knew how to do. Fly fish for trout and play the guitar. Well, I'm playing the guitar today absolutely by the grace of God. I have a joy, a peace, and a deep down fulfillment in my life I never had before. My life has purpose. I've learned firsthand the true secret of genuine happiness. They will be satisfied. Sometimes as a young person, you, you look ahead and you think, oh, I will find satisfaction someday because you, you have these goals. But you get to my age and then older than me, you realize, you look back and you think, oh, I thought I had it there and I thought I had it there and, and maybe I'll have it here. And, and you know, you, I look ahead and I, I see people that, that are living the dream but aren't living, aren't experiencing the dream. I remember going to a guy's place. Uh, we were just looking at this property in northern Alberta. had a nice cabin on the lake and everything you could dream of having. And, and then he's got this like fifth wheel. And he's like, well, I kind of get tired of this lake. So I got to go to another lake. So actually I go camping in the summer, even though I live on a lake and I have a cabin on a lake. And you're like, you're like, okay, what, how much is it? When is enough enough? It's never enough until you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then you do have enough. You're satisfied. You're filled up. But there's two realities. One, we have to long for. 
We have to hunger and thirst. It's a present verb. It's like continually hunger, continually thirst after righteousness, after what God's will is, and to seek to know God and to grow in that relationship with him. And, and then ultimately, God gives it. We don't actually ever achieve it on our own, but God, God gives it to us as we pursue him. And that's why I've made the invitation to you, and I'll just kind of beat this drum till it gets, you just can't stop hearing it. Daily time in God's is where we feed our soul. We discover his will. What's right for us. That's what it means to be right, to do the right thing according to God. And as we read the Bible, we realize, oh, there, there's, there's something uh, that could help me. God's inviting me to take some, some steps of faith here. We encounter things where it says, yeah, the, I, the Bible's telling me what I'm doing right now is not the right thing. And then, and then you make a course correction. You read a story and you, you find your story in that story, how, how God you know, redeems difficult circumstances or, or carries someone through hardship. You're like, yeah, that, that's my story. And that, that feeds your soul. You just can't replace the reading of the Bible with anything else. Watching YouTube sermons is not the same as reading the Bible, people, okay? It's lazier. It's easier. You could sort of just sit there, but reading the Bible, grappling with it, thinking about it, asking questions about the text. What does it mean here? Where else is that, you know, is that word used in, in this chapter, in this book, you know? And, and, and I mean, it takes some time. It takes some effort. But as you mine it, you will discover great riches that will feed your soul. You will experience the satisfaction. The world offers you all this other stuff and doesn't give it. Like, look at the Rolling Stones, right? 1965. I can't get no what? Satisfaction, right? And I try, and I try, and I try. I can't get no, right? That, that's the reality of life outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus sits with his disciples and says, guys, I want you to have the happiest life ever. And here's how it is. You're poor in spirit. You mourn. You're making now. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. And boy, when you do that, then you experience the filling the satisfaction that comes from God alone. I have a quote here. The secret of spiritual growth is spiritual appetite. So first and foremost, read the Bible. Secondly, we've got a little library back there. I've got some books too in this corner over here. Take a book out of our, our little library. It's, and you don't have to sign it out. If you don't bring it back, I'm not chasing you down or fining you or sending you a bill. Like it, it, it's a little, it's a kind of a, just a shared library. If you can give it to someone else and it will help them, that's fine. Take a book. If you don't like it, bring it back. Uh, you don't have to agree with everything those people write. You should agree with everything that's in this book. But in those books, those are just human people. And, and they're subject to, to miscommunication and, and getting it wrong even. That's okay. Like we read books. It forces us to think and to process. I think it's good to read the Bible, but then also to augment with some good Christian literature. That's a benefit and helps you to think and process. But again, it's not the Bible. Don't take their words. Uh, compare it against this word, right? But it's just, it feeds our soul. Uh, how is your spiritual appetite today? You could tell a lot about where you're going by how much appetite you have for that. Um, and Jesus is inviting us to get real hungry. You know, when you know you're going to a buffet, you, you don't have a big lunch that day, right? When I, when I know Elisa has a nice meal plan at home, I don't stop at Burger King and get the cheap deal and then have this stomach upset. And I sit down to Elisa's wonderful meal and she's like, why aren't you hungry? Well, I, I ate a bunch of garbage before I came home, honey, you know, too bad. I missed out. I mean, she's like, let, let me feed you with some good stuff that will last, that will carry you. How was your spiritual appetite today? 
When you don't long for this, then you know there's some things in your life that need to change. And you need to just lay those things aside in order to pursue what God has for you. And that may be the challenge for you today is that in order to eat and to digest God's word, you need to get rid of some stuff in your life. Maybe there's some friends you need to kind of cut out of your life because they're not helping you grow spiritually. Maybe, maybe there's some habits, some activities. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, you know, it's some online stuff that you just is not good for you, whether that be gambling or pornography or shopping or social media, whatever it is, but you're like, that really occupies my time. It consumes me, it consumes me, it consumes me. God says, I want you to be consumed by me, not by that stuff. Come and eat. Come and dine with me. And the old... King James, let us sup together, Jesus would say. He invites us to experience this. So anyway, here's my lesson as we conclude. A happy life is a hungry life filled with good things from God. As opposed to good things that other people tell you you need. Those infomercials say, well, this 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 will fix your problem. This will make your body just this rippling, you know, thing, you know, massive muscle. And this will grow that bald head back into full hair. And, the, and this will, you know, take away that, that, you know, pregnancy belly. And this will, you know, and we, we look and we long and we look. And, but the happy life is a hunger life filled with the good things from God. In fact, as you read this, you start to, you know, it just, just resets your whole perspective on the world and on life and what matters and what's important and what's coming ahead. Number two, uh, hungering for righteousness means removing anything that gets in the way of your relationship with God. Um, what are those distracting features of your life? I think in the near future, there will be more and more opportunities for people to get away without their phone. And they're going to need that because they're so stuck in this electronic world that they, they don't know how to unplug. And there'll be places where you go and you, you leave all that stuff and you just have books and papers and pens and you don't ever get to look at a screen and you just have to like go into shock and then eventually rediscover what it means to be human and then move forward in relationship with other people and actually have conversations with live people face to face you know i mean I, I think that's coming people because we don't we've lost someone we're losing that unless of course you're here at church and we're big into that and you got a pastor that loses his phone and doesn't you know see it for 24 hours and doesn't bother by it right it's great you know it doesn't bother me it bothers everyone else but it doesn't bother me right so but understand like, like, like this people to people God's like I want a relationship with you it's not electronic I want to speak to you I want you to know my presence I want you to experience the best life ever that's the righteous life what is that thing that you might need to remove Number three, the Bible is our soul food. Read it and be satisfied. You know, you can eat stuff that fills your stomach but actually doesn't do anything, right? Some of you have some lunch specials that you like to eat that aren't really good for you, right? You, you pay for it later, right? You're happy in the moment, but later on you're like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Maybe you go to a buffet and you're like, I overate and oh, no, you know. But the Bible is this soul food and it satisfies you, but it, it, you never actually get to the end of it, right? Like I, I've been preaching this for decades. I've been studying it formally for many years. I, and and it's, it's like it's like this well that I throw this big rock into and I'm listening for the splash and I never hear it. Why? Because you never get to the bottom of this. There's so much here. But the enemy would love for you to be so busy that you don't read the Bible. 
you don't have a hard copy, we got some on, or good online and order one. It's so good to just feed the soul. Because then, then you, you're, you're discovering what's right, what's God's way. And, and then that, that just satisfies you in a way nothing else can. And the more you eat it, the more you want it. But it's a good thing. Unlike other addictions, which only make, get us deeper and deeper into trouble, whatever that is, overeating, overdrinking, drugs, pornography, shopping, work, whatever that is, working out, whatever the addiction that you have, you keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. You're like, oh, you know, oh, you know, and then it causes damage to us and to the people around us. This one doesn't do that. You need the soul food of God's word. Find that time, make the time, experience the happiness that comes when you're filled with his righteousness. And number four, Jesus is the only true source of righteousness. I mean, you can't be satisfied anywhere else. You will look and look and look and look and look and try and try and try and, and fill that void with anything else, and it won't work. Like, why am I not satisfied? Because Jesus is the only place where that happened. That's God's plan. That's why Jesus sits there with the disciples and said, guess what? I'm here to show you the highway to happiness. There are some bumps on that highway, but boy, it is the only life worth living. Trust me. In John 4, Jesus is speaking to this woman at the well. They're having this spiritual conversation. Oh, Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. And this woman tries to spiritualize Jesus, and he's like, okay, go get your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. Yeah, you don't have a husband. You've had six husbands. The guy you're with now isn't even your husband. You've been trying to fill your soul with all these empty cisterns, and it's not working. Maybe that's your story. And Jesus is inviting you to, to drink of that water that, that will, you'll never be thirsty again. The verse that Pastor Elijah read, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never go hungry. The one who believes in me will never be thirsty. Isn't that awesome? To imagine to be the place where you're, just no, you're no longer craving the things that everyone else craves and you're no longer stuck in the, in the hamster wheel of life and stuck trying to get ahead and never getting ahead. And he's, like, he's like, if you get me, you, you, you jump off the wheel and you experience life, the happy life, the blessed life. John 737, the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and shouted out, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and let the one who believes in me drink, just as the scripture says, from within him will flow streams, rivers of living water. I've got the best life available if you just come and believe. So I invite you to believe in Jesus Christ today. I invite you to receive him as your savior. And then I invite you, believers, to discover the best life ever the happiest life ever in this hungering and thirsting after righteousness, discovering this relationship with God that gets better and better every day. Team, would you come up? And we're going to sing this song of Christ is enough for me because that, that really is a reflection of this, of this highway to happiness pit stop that Jesus has here. He's like, you know, this, this hungering on the journey is part of life, this longing for something better. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's God-given. But when you discover in Jesus Christ that satisfaction, boy, it carries you through life a way that nothing else can. So I, I'm inviting you. And maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you believe in Jesus, but you're trying to find satisfaction somewhere else. And maybe today as you encounter the Word of God, you're like, yeah, I, I need to find it in Him alone. 
You can still be a good business person. You can still be a great dad. You can still play sports. You can still eat food and drink drinks and do, do the things that, that God gives us to do. But, but, but in, behind all that, you found this deep satisfaction in Christ. I point you to him today. Let's pray as the team prepares to lead us here. Lord, you're reaching out to us and you're calling out to us through your son, Jesus Christ. You're inviting us into your family. You're inviting us to the table. You're inviting us to be filled and satisfied. To have our souls at rest and at peace with you and, and in the world. And Lord, help us to, to, to discover that place today. Thank you just for that you want us to experience life and its happiness. And may we discover that in Jesus alone today. Forgive us of the sins we've committed and where we have tried to replace the happiness you want for us with our own happiness. We lay that aside. Help us to remove those distractions that we may encounter your best for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with the team?